Hello and thank you for listening to episode 188 of 60 Minutes With. I'm Dave and this is another of our interview shows and this one it's a very special interview show indeed. I was so excited to record this. I'm always excited to record the interview shows because I get to talk to people you know whose work I really love and admire Uh, but when this one was sorted out I did get in touch with the writer and director and he's also the editor and did the music as well of my favourite movie of Grimfest 2018. Hopefully you've read the review on the website. If not, go and have a look. Grimfest as well, one of the premier film festivals here in the UK. It's coming up, the 2019 festival is coming up really soon. And I'm very pleased and proud to say that for the fourth year running that we're going to be covering it. So keep an eye on the website for another review of Grimfest. But yeah, I was blown away at the 2018 festival by a film called The Witch in the Window. And I did finish my review of it saying, oh, I can't wait for it to come out on DVD and Blu-ray so I can own a physical copy. Because I'm a collector, I buy the physical copies of of all the films. I'm old school. And I said, oh, it'd be great if one day I could have an interview show with the writer-director, Andy Mitten. So I got in touch with Andy, and he's been so lovely. We were swapping emails back and forth. And I had had an email from him saying that they were going to be in uh, Middlebury, Vermont, which is where the film was shot. And it was going to be probably the last festival screening of The Witch in the Window. And not only would he be available to have a chat with me, but actors Alex Draper and Charlie Tacker, who are the two leads in the movie, would be there with him. And the lead producer, Richard King, would be with them as well. Oh my word, can you imagine how excited I was that I was going to get to talk to all four of them about this this wonderful film. It is it is a film. I remember going into it in Grimfest and going in just preconceived expectations from the title alone. And it was something really different to what I expected. And I'm so glad that it was something really different. I've watched it four times now. I watched it once at Grimfest. I've watched it three times at home. It is one of those films that I will be watching numerous times again so let's get on with the show and here a very excited me talking to these four great friendly gentlemen whose uh, whose love of the film comes across in this as well here we go here's all the guys about the witch in the window whose house i'm flipping it so they, they didn't tell you about her lady lived here when i was a kid she died? Do you think there's something wrong with the house? Andy? Do you? I thought I saw someone in the mirror. What kind of someone? I think a lady. Please don't make me look at her. Oh, first of all, I've got to say to to all four of you, thank you so much for giving me your time this evening and to have a chat. I am absolutely thrilled to have a chat with all of you. And likewise, we really appreciate the support and it's it's our pleasure to be here. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) Uh, well, as people already know from the introduction, uh, Witch in the Window was my favourite film at Grimfest last year. Absolutely love it. 
Uh, and I, I reread the review just today and two of the things I put in it and I said, oh, I can't wait to be able to buy it on DVD or Blu-ray and hopefully I'll get a show with Andy sometime in the future. And here I sit, I bought it on DVD months ago and not only am I sat with you, Andy, but you know, there's Richard and Alex and Charlie there as well. How, how good is this? <laughs> <laughs> and we're all in Vermont for the first time since the production, which was exciting for us. On a lot of levels. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that is crazy. Please tell everybody where you are uh, and why you're there as well, because this is quite amazing too. Well, we're in we're in Middlebury, Vermont. We're just uh, what, about a mile from the house where yeah. we shot nice. um, at Middlebury College for at the Middlebury um, New Filmmakers Film Festival, which is uh, probably going to be our last appearance at a festival. So very appropriate that it should be here. Um, we get to reconvene the, the scene of the crime. Um, yeah, and then afterwards we're gonna go to the we're gonna go back to the house. We're gonna have a séance promptly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I dare you all to stay the night there. I thought you must have. Did you stay the night there at all during production? Not the full night. No. no I no. think somebody. They, it was theoretically the college said that we could, and at one point we thought about it, and then we very quickly there were no takers. No. <laughs> <laughs> The vibe is for real in that house. Yes. Oh, I should imagine so. It's a great looking house. And you said that this could well be your final festival show. Like I said, I saw it at Grimfest and it went down the storm. How have all the other festivals been going? What's that experience been like? Um, it's been it's been great, actually. The reception has been very good. Um, people really seem to, to like it a lot. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's just nice to see it in an audience um, because there's a lot of things that not everybody catches, and so you sort of get to experience the people kind of tugging on their neighbor's, you know, arm, like, oh, did you see that? Did you see that there? And like, <laughs> see people jump, like, that's always really fun. You don't get that experience so much on a smaller screen. You know, it's funny you should say that. I've watched it four times now. I watched it, obviously, once at Grimfest. I've watched it three times since I bought the DVD. Every time I watch it, I see something else catches my eye. You know, it's 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 got such rewatchability. It's brilliant. That's nice to hear. One of the good things I liked as well, having on DVD, is finally I got to pause with the Magic Eye poster because <laughs> I, <laughs> I remember those back in the day and I was one of the people that could do it. So then it took me by surprise when I saw it on the big screen and I was trying, it had been that long since I'd seen one, I was trying to readjust my eyes and I couldn't see what was on it uh, every time it came on. So I was so thankful to get the DVD and pause it and then see what came on, which again added another layer to the story for me because I got to see how the names changed on the poster. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was a time I thought I could get something like her face or something in there, and then I learned how the... the, the... <laughs> <laughs> well, we won't reach for the stars, but uh, there, were, there were days on the set where we couldn't see it, and we were trying to hang it up, and we couldn't tell if it was upside down or right side up. Because <laughs> when you're stressed out, you can't see them especially, even if you can. So, I have yet to see it. <laughs> I, have, I haven't seen it once, so I'll, I'll do the DVD thing. I, I today, I was like, if I do anything to this screening, I'm going to see what's on there. And I saw it vanish the first one, so I knew there was something there, but I didn't see the thing. <laughs> I, mean, you know, I think I'm too stressed to see that. It is, yeah, that is an advantage with the DVD. You can just take as long as you want to try and let it soak in. Uh, Andy, if I could start with you, please. I mean, because you're the writer, you're the director, you're the editor, you did the music, you know. Could you tell everybody about, you know, the genesis, how this started, and then how Richard and Alex and Charlie came to be on board with it all, too? 
Yeah, gladly. Um, it's sort of, you know, Richard, you know, Charlie, I met on this process very gladly, and Richard and uh, Alex were both people I'd worked with before. Um, Alex on Yellow Brick Road, and uh, Richard, uh, Richard and I made We Go On together, and my my first two movies, and so um, they're two of my favorite people I've worked with. And honestly, the genesis of this movie was to work with some of my favorite people in my favorite place at a time when I really needed to get my feet under me because uh, it was my first time as a solo director. Um, I had left Los Angeles. Things were not looking good. I needed to act fast. And so sometimes desperation is a, is a great reason to move. Um, and I knew that, you know, I had uh, two, I have two young, very young boys, but, um, my fears of, uh, of parenthood and some of the themes that get in, explored were, were very much on the surface. And I knew if I could find a, a scary house to write a movie for and to, and to put Alex in the center of it, I could find a, a, a good enough young actor to hold up that movie with Alex. And, and I did that in spades with Charlie and have my best producer beside me. Um, then we could do something that felt um, that, that could be contained and affordable, um, where we wouldn't have to change location all the time. We could just sort of drop anchor, be a family on location, and focus on being creative. And it really was the happiest time I've ever spent making anything. And is it true, you filmed it in 12 days, is that right? 14. 14, 14 days. days. Yep. Were they long days as well, too? Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> But, but very few nights compared to most haunted house movies. We were, we were at least working days. <laughs> I think that's that's one of the great things about it as well, is because, you know, so much of it is just in daylight, but it's still it's still so creepy. And it, it's one of those that just builds up layer upon layer upon layer. And just even now, and without a word of light, talking about it, the hairs on the back of my neck have gone up. So, yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, congratulations on, you know, on everything to do with it. Uh, Richard, if I could go to you for a minute, and I'm sure you've been asked this question so many times, uh, but for the sake of people listening that may not be sure, and they're going, well, what exactly does a producer do? What was your role in putting together The Witch in the Window? Um, yeah, so firstly, just generally speaking, a producer can do any number of things uh, from supplying underlying material, uh, finding capital, uh, bringing together key elements, whether it be a, a writer, a director or cast members, um, all the way down to, you know, somebody who's actually sort of digging through the, the nuts and bolts and doing the nitty gritty of actually making sure the day to day run properly. Uh, my role on this process, um, like Andy said, because he and I have worked together previously, um, I got the script pretty early on, kind of read through it, you know, had uh, several long conversations with Andy, lots of email correspondence back and forth uh, about, you know, what, what I thought was working, what wasn't working, you know, notes I had, and we sort of went back and forth. And um, so a lot of it was sort of, you know, guiding, guiding the process from pretty early on. Uh, to then, you know, helping find uh, financing for it as well. Um, and um, yeah, I knew that the, uh, I brought on the um, production designer and the uh, cinematographer as well. So, you know, that's, that's sort of, those were my, my, my roles. And also just sort of being a, a, a sounding board for Andy whenever he had ideas that he may, you know, think were crazy off the wall or, or didn't believe in them. Um, <laughs> be there to either encourage or discourage him based on how he was <laughs> approaching yeah. me with the with the idea <laughs> yeah and you mentioned the cinematographer i mean it, it looks beautiful it's a really great looking film 
uh, what what sort of obstacles did you come across in trying to get it to look that good? Because you're obviously you know you're you're on a tight budget, and you you can't just keep throwing money everywhere. How did how did you get it to look so good? Are there any sort of tricks or tips that you could give to anybody? Well, we certainly embraced the natural light. We had the benefit. Justin Kane is the cinematographer, and I hadn't worked with him before, but we clicked immediately. We were fast friends, and we had the benefit of some pre-production time where we just walked around the house together, all of us, and sort of looked at where the light was going and where it was going to be at, at different times. So we were able to say, oh, that bedroom looks really good at 4 p.m. we got to get there at 4 p.m. one of these days for this scene that we know has got to look that way. And so... It was partly the benefit of time, but really just that preparation, that collaboration, and that willingness to harness the natural light. And also, that making the decision that we're going to do a largely a daylight haunted house movie, mm-hmm. that's, that works in two ways. Because in one sense, it's great because it's distinct and it's not what's expected. And if you can pull it off, I think it's special. And it's also a hell of a lot cheaper than night lighting. <laughs> <laughs> What was what was the time frame from when this all began to when cameras started rolling? Super fast for this, like in a way I would never imagine. I wrote, I started writing in November of 2015, and we were shooting in May uh, of the following year. Wow, that's really quick. So from the time I read it to production was you know four or five months, uh, which is very very quick. Yeah. Granted, it was written, you know, it's a 75 page screenplay that we always intended to be a 75 minute movie. Like, we knew it was going to, that was going to, like, in every phase, that pays off, uh, especially in post production, because it's just that much less footage you have to work on. Um, so, that was part of the plan, too, keeping it small. Was there much that you had to cut out? Did you film pretty tight that, that you didn't need to trim that much? Yeah, we used. We used most of what, there were a few scenes, there was a few like Lydia appearances. I remember we tried a few like mirror tricks where we were going to see her early on that ended up looking not so hot. <laughs> but, uh, and the opening scene was the first, was the main thing. The first scene we shot was that opening scene where Simon is picking up his son and we tried to make a, a, a house in Vermont look like a Manhattan apartment and that was not <laughs> By everyone's best talents, it was like, um, yeah, it was it was rough. But what was cool about that was when we got back, we got to kind of reverse engineer that opening scene because we went to New York to shoot it five months later. And I got to write the scene that we needed, knowing everything else we'd put together. We could sort of write the perfect opening scene for the movie we shot, uh, which you almost never get to do. So it was pretty cool. Oh, yeah, that does sound good. And Alex and Charlie, I've got to come to you. You two are the, you know, the, you're the heart of the movie. Uh, and the relationship between both of you comes across so strong on screen. It's, you know, both of you are absolutely fantastic in it. You really are. And um, Alex, if I could come to you first. First of all, I've got to say, I came back from Grimfest, told Tina all about it, said absolutely wonderful film. Wait till you watch it when I buy it on DVD. We sat and watched it. She loved it. One of her first comments <laughs> was, oh my God, he's got such a wonderful voice. <laughs> <laughs> she could she could listen to you just read the phone book alex so <laughs> what what was it like creating you know the relationship between you you know because your father and son on screen uh and some of the scene my one of my favorite scenes uh for a number of reasons is when you're both sat on the back of the truck you're loading wood into it 
and uh, you have that conversation about you know uh, parents lying you know to the kids uh, was there any sort of process that you went through to to build that relationship I mean that's a, that's such a good question I um and the short answer is really no in the sense that we Charlie and I both benefit from this uh, a really really good script and so I I was able to participate a little bit in in the versions of the script but still that that was all just sort of given to us and then we had we got Charlie and so that was the the sort of magic uh connector and we very it just sort of happened very quickly and naturally that this relationship established itself on set and on film uh, that is uh, very obviously influenced by but very different from you know I, I have a now 13 year old son so younger than Charlie but there was never any confusion about those two and I, and so I we just settled into this very comfortable and um, easy relationship that allowed the scenes to happen uh, Really, I, I don't want to say it sounds like I'm being self, but like with a total pro. It was just totally like a pro. This was a real. There was no. I years ago I used to I shot some commercials with used to quote unquote child actors, and they could be, you know, you're not supposed to say this. We could be hell, <laughs> <laughs> like a different kind of hell. Was none of that. There was no. That's not the way um, Charlie comes across. That's not the way he works. That's not the way that. Uh, the surround of the set was not was not all about like that. It was he was really like just completely one of us, and there the whole time. And so his his family and, and we're, we're in the house, you know, in the different rooms of the house, like we all were different times of the day. So it, was, it all just felt very natural. And the the order in which we shot the scenes was really helpful because we actually shot that scene that you like pretty early on, and it was a kind of bellwether for a lot of us. The crew the crew didn't really know, really necessarily, the kind of movie we were trying to make, and they didn't know who they were making it with until that long scene where we're sitting in the back thing, and I think a lot of the energy on the set changed that day because we all sort of realized, oh, this could be this kind of movie, and so that was there was I wish there was like a magic process you went through, <laughs> and there are there are so many wonderful scenes all the way through it. You know, it's it really is difficult just to to pick out one favorite. And Charlie, I mean, you've already got so many amazing acting credits to your name, and you know, a lot of us, especially in this day and age, you know, you have kids and they have the you know the family movies. You've got movies of them growing up. What's it like that you've got so much on screen of you? growing up I mean what on earth I can't even begin to imagine what it would be like you know I was your age and to have this this bank of of these appearances that you've done in tv and film and etc what on earth is it like um you know well first thank you and it's really um not as different as you think I try to keep a normal childhood with my friends as much as I can because you know being a child actor doesn't seem like a lot, but sometimes it can kind of kick you in the butt. But, <laughs> you know, um, but being an actor at such a young age, I didn't really realize how much like I was doing, but I was kind of just like going from indie film to indie film, you know, doing whatever I could, just trying to, you know, get on the screen. What was the hardest part of The Witch in the Window for you? Was there any particular scene or anything like that that was the most difficult for you? Um, 
I don't really think there was much challenge to that film, you know? I think I, I think you do so much with your face as well, though. There's a lot of the scenes and, you know, the, the where, the, the where um, Simon gets the phone call and it suddenly clicks that you're not the real Finn. And the, the look on your face and the way it changes is, you know, it's, I think that's a sign of a real pro of how much you can do with, with just facial expressions. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. Andy, going back to you, is this how you thought of it when you first sat there, paper to pen or finger to keyboard, and you, you started putting this story together? Is this how you envisioned it coming together? No, no, no. <laughs> oh, please tell me. Uh, no, I, I, I really feel like a film is reborn in every stage. I could never imagine whatever, you know, I, I love screenplays, um, partly because they're, they're these blueprints and I've learned, uh, I've learned to, to, to respect, even as I write them, how much other people are going to bring to the process and, and change it. And I, I feel like even though this was my first time as a solo director, this was my most collaborative process. Despite wearing, um, despite wearing all those hats, um, so I think I pictured a film when I wrote it that was more, uh, more lyrical. And in fact, when I went to compose it, I wrote a lot more music. There was, uh, uh, it, we, it, it's really good, I think, in post to be able to put too much in and yeah. then move rather than go the other way. So both in sound and music and everything else. We, we sort of put together this more lyrical um, haunted house movie that became more human and more natural as we removed elements. We pulled out maybe half the score, relied, and, and just started to trust the story and that we were going to be holding tension um, rather than boring people. <laughs> it, it, does, it takes a leap of faith because if you, if you do a, a, a seven minute scene of two people walking slowly down a hallway toward a woman in a chair, that's either, if you have it right, the most exciting, you know, tense thing, or, or if you've got it wrong, you're in big trouble. <laughs> so, a lot of leaps of faith with each other, um, and all around the board, uh, just trying to, uh, from, especially from my standpoint of wearing all the hats I was, really relying on other people to keep me honest, uh, to police me, to, to keep my instincts in line. <laughs> well, cool. Your workload obviously was bigger because like you said, of all the hats that you had to wear, but did that make it easier for you or, or more difficult, easier in the fact that you were so familiar with, you know, with how the music was going and you wrote the story and so on, or did it make it more difficult because of all those hats? I think it makes it more difficult on me uh, because I'm really like the direct, like the, the me director hates the writer. And then the, the <laughs> editing hates the director. And the version of me who's composing, you know, uh, is, is usually really confused for at least a month and hates everything. Uh, so I put myself through the ringer because I think the danger is the vacuum where if I was a director in love with my writing and then an editor in love with my directing, I'd be in big trouble and I'd make a movie that. <laughs> only for me. Uh, so I think it's worth putting myself through the ringer um, and separating those jobs as much as I can. I think that makes a better movie and, along with just knowing when to listen to other people. Yeah. 
Uh, the, the more I've watched it as well, the more I've noticed the amount of reflections, be it through windows, mirrors, water. Was that something that was really intentional and that you wrote into it as well? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've always been scared by mirrors and reflections and fascinated by it. Um, I'm, all, I'm terrible at like spatial mathematics, though. So it was all just because those are almost all practical things. So when you see her in a mirror, you know, we it's it's usually a, a practical reflection, maybe except for one case. So doing the math, getting you know, the light and everything in the right place was Justin and, and Dave McCabe, Dave McCabe, our, uh, our gaffer. What was what was your thought process as well when it came to the the witch? And obviously there was different ways that you could do it. You know that you you could go really way out there. What was the thought process of right? How do we get this witch to look? It was really interesting. I wanted to see as many faces as I could, like in a thumbnail. I wanted to see a face that was just naturally unforced at an unforced intensity that would pop out of a page of like thumbnail faces. Um, and Carol's did that, and she also was a smart enough actor on top of it to know not to push that thing she had, mm -hmm. but trust it and just give it an anchor. Um, she was smart and lovely to work with. Um, but yeah, it was that, that natural intensity. I knew that so much was going to rely on seeing her in stillness. Yeah. I think first found her headshot for a while. She's got one really good headshot that she means to really pop and get people. And I would walk around with it on my phone and walk up to someone and just suddenly hold it up and <laughs> their reaction. And then tell them, like, yeah, that's our witch. <laughs> we, you know, when we, I, I worked, she was on set all day. She would she'd be on set all day, lovely, lovely lady, uh, total pro. And when I have to shoot, I have to shoot, like, jump scare scenes with her mm -hmm. where she's sitting next to me in a truck with like 15 people around us and cameras. I know she's sitting there. <laughs> and every single time I turned my head quickly, look at her, it was scared of shit. <laughs> I think I screamed again today. You know, I know. Uh, so she, she is, yeah, it just comes right out. Uh, and it's funny because we, uh, after the fact, we wouldn't, I went and looked at someone for other work and she played, you know, every now and then she'll play I don't want to say a, a, a straight character, but a non-witch, like not a terrifying yeah. witch. But, but she plays, you know, she plays somebody who, if you walk, she often plays like high-powered corporate lawyers, where you walk into the, the, the chambers where you have a meeting with the opposition lawyer, and that's who you meet, and whatever, it's not going to be a good day, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> where something, something's going to come right through you, and she brings that to all her stuff, so it's good. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. Just, a natural energy uh, about her that sort of really kind of permeates the screen. Um, like that, you know, that's not a thing that you find in a lot of actors, uh, really anywhere. And I mean, I'm I'm saying that I've never met her in person, so I, I don't know what she's like, you know, in the in the physical sense. So the only relationship I have to her is through uh, through a screen. Oh, well, that's great. I think yeah, I think it's perfect casting. You know, the the look of her just works perfectly for the film. And uh, it's you know it's so creepy when when Simon and Finn first see her you know Charlie when you're at the top of the stairs and and you see her and you know you've got your hoodie up and you're just saying you know it it's her that is such an amazing scene and I love it that it's the fact that it's not the father that goes towards it's the son that instigates going towards the witch I think that's really good. 
what was what was your favorite scene between both of you then um charlie and alex you know obviously you've got so many scenes together do any particular scenes stand out i mean that scene on the truck uh really i mean it's it's like kind of like the the, the all-stars the scene on the truck really uh was just a great fun it was a great when i saw the final version of the script i, I loved it and then filming it uh i really loved filming it uh the you know the phone call because it's so intense mm-hmm. and it was such a leap of faith that's really where i you know when we're sitting on the truck having a conversation i can tell that between the two of us there's stuff happening that at least i i know we're doing our part let's yeah. say that uh in that scene of the phone call you just had to trust that 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 this thing that, that every time you read it on the page just killed and, and now it was gonna, and I, I, until I saw it, the final cut, and really with people, was the first time I really uh, knew. I mean, I trusted Andy, of course, that it was gonna work, but I didn't trust myself that I had done what was needed. In fact, it was nothing, it was just to be there. But, but um, <laughs> that was one, that may be my favorite just because it was so scary. And also, I know, I would know, I can watch the movie now, which is untrue of anything else I've done. I can watch it every time. Every time we go to a screening, I sit and watch the whole thing, just pretty much like a spectator. I just love it. I'm yeah. not critical of myself or of, the, mm-hmm. of anything. I'm just completely in the story. I would have had a really hard time watching the movie if that's if that moment hadn't worked because I knew how much hinged on it. Yeah. And to make a long answer even longer, there is. I really loved shooting the scene where he goes la 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 where we're, we're yeah. talking he might have seen and there was some stuff in there that there was like a kind of it's better in the movie as edited because it's a really is smart but in the in the one we shot they kind of get into a fight at the end and we turn kind of petty and mean and and because <laughs> we got muddy and stuff but i that was another that, that was a scene i i like i do like it better in the verb it makes much more sense in the movie now yeah. not ending on a pissy note, so <laughs> <laughs> shoot the falling in the mud. All right, over to you, Charlie. Um, definitely the uh, phone scene. That's probably the most, you know, like plot turning scene yeah. in the movie. And it was really fun to shoot too, and like fun to switch over from one character to another, kind of, in one shot, you know. Did you think about the face you were going to make? Yeah, I really... I, I always wanted because we didn't talk about it, and every time I see it, I'm like, oh my God, what is he doing? It's amazing. All yeah. and, and, and <laughs> kind of indescribable. No, I just like... I, I was going to tell you about it, but I was just sitting there, and I thought about it, and I kind of just went with it. Yeah, well, when you're going to say something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't say anything to get in the way of it. That's my job. That's half of the time. Don't yeah. get that's it because I mean, you, you could have played it so over the top and you looked you know really angry and everything but you can just tell that you know the witch is pissed off you know through, through, embodied through yourself yeah yeah it's, it's a tough motivation to talk about with <laughs> so Richard uh, you know as this process went on and the film was coming together did you see I mean you you watching the dailies where and when did you watch the you know the final cut that was put together um yeah i was watching dailies um i wasn't on set for the entire shoot i had to go back to los angeles for another shoot um but i was i was in uh, pretty much daily contact 
with the um, the, the line producer, uh, Candice Kuahara, and uh, I would chat with Andy, um, the first AD of uh, Marco Bargellini. Just so I was I was very much involved, uh, even if I wasn't physically here. Uh, but yeah, watching dailies, and then I, I don't I don't know when I saw the final cut, honestly, because I, I watched so many cuts throughout the entire. <laughs> Um, I remember uh, there was the first a, cut was fast. The first cut was pretty fast. Maybe uh, before the end of the summer. Maybe even by like. It was in August. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, um, so that was like the first cut that, that I watched, and then we didn't lock the the picture until maybe a year later, something like that. I mean, it was it was it was a, a long it was a long period. Um, but I remember that during that phone call scene we've been talking about, um, there was we we had. The, the take, sort of a slow push in kind of of the two of them, a two shot, you know, and, and uh, originally I think there was some intercutting that was going on. And I don't remember if it was you that was sort of like trying to ask the question to whether or not we could get away with doing it in a single take. But I was like, I, I remember being very, very strong uh, pushing for that just because my, my feeling is like when you have a single take. And as an audience member, you're watching these actors go through whatever they're going through without cutting away or cutting at all. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a there's a connection that gets built up between yeah. the audience members and the characters on screen. And I thought it was really important, especially for that scene, to try to, to build up that bond as much as possible because I felt like it would bring so much more of a sting once you you realize, oh, this these people that you you've been connecting to over this past however many minutes that shot is. You know, it's it's completely dashed and thrown away when it's it's revealed that it's not that's not the people you thought it was. Spoiler alert! Yes, spoiler alert. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I I will give a spoiler alert in the intro to this to this show, uh, just to yeah, make sure that anybody that hasn't seen it, you know, to, to go and watch it first, definitely. <laughs> and Andy, of course, you, you edited the movie, uh, and you know, and as Alex said, you know, there were there was been different bits cut out, as is always the case. Uh, when movies are made, things are jiggled, jiggled around. What was the editing process like? Was it, was it easy again? It was, I take it, did it make it easy because you wrote the story? You were familiar with the characters? No, you know, it all goes out the window again, partly because my process as an editor, especially when I have no money and no assistance, is I am logging the footage. So I, I actually, I think I've given any amount of money, I might want to do it because it really, it puts everything completely in pieces again. Mm -hmm. And you, it gives you a chance to imagine ways that they might come together in even a slightly different order. Because the story always changes a bit. Like the backstory of uh, Lydia in the house, for instance, changed in post-production. Um, because anytime you have any offline dialogue, it can change in post-production. You can, you know, you can change your mind about the the line and get it right. So, uh, it, it editing this was. Um, it was hard for me. I, I had a lot of moments of doubt because um, when you're making a slower a slower paced movie um, and, and you, you have a long night, you, you have moments of like, oh man, they'll never hang with this or I'm gonna lose them. Uh, those leaps of faith come with moments of doubt and most of my doubt during editing for this. But I also love, I love editing. I love, um, to me it feels like just following through on my swing. Uh, I, I almost would never ask for a final cut because I love collaborating with people on a future cut. So I love doing that first cut and just getting to show people, you know, what what, what my best swing is before we talk about where to go from there. Yeah. And it is it is a slower paced movie. You know, I went into it, you know, my first viewing, knowing nothing about it. 
and I, I put in the short review uh, that I put online but with Grimfest of you know how it, essentially it's a family drama uh, and and then it just slowly builds from there and then these little creepy bits keep coming on and and coming on and that's one of the things that I really loved about it is that it took its time and that you could connect to the characters of Simon and Finn and you could feel empathy for them uh, and that's that's what really led me in and there was little it's just the little details one of the lines um that you say, yeah, you say, Alex, it's, you know, I was hoping to catch on the 12 side of 12, not the 13 side of 12. I mean, that's something that every parent can connect with, you know, so it's, you, you're just drawing people in as, as they're watching it. And that's what got me hooked. And then, of course, as shit begins to happen and things start getting a bit creepy, it's, it just ramped it up all the way, you know, until the final shot. So let's talk about the house. I mean, it was... What was the process of finding a house? And again, budgetary constraints. I take it was it was one of the things. And then for the amount of time that you that you could use it. So how did you go about finding the the right house? You know, it's funny. But the, and we didn't even mention this today. But but originally, when you know when Andy said I I, uh, I want to make a movie, I want to write a movie for you, I was like, yeah, you know, awesome, thank you. <laughs> and then. He had, there was an original movie that was basically uh, a house that you're renovating killing you, which is not, this is not that far from where we are, but it was, and he said, so the whole point of that is it has to be the most innocuous house you've ever seen because we don't want to give away where the movie's going. Right. So right. I didn't even look. I was just like, well, that sounds, I, I don't know, because I, I, I don't even know where to start because I'm in Vermont and there's, what we have a lot of is the other kind, the kind of house where you look at it and go, somebody died there. Um, <laughs> so then very, he was like, well, what if we did that, what would you have? And I was like, well, in that case, there is a house on the Middlebury College's property that is that house where you look at it and go, somebody clearly died in the house. And then you go inside and all those, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff in that house that we didn't even put in the movie because you almost wouldn't buy that it was, that it was there. There's, there's like a submerged, a weird submerged, like it might be a, a, a torture chamber, or or I don't know, it's like I guess it's a weird laundry room, but it's like this submerged kind of rough bath. Anyway, there's very weird. There's weird furnaces and stoves on different levels and passageways. But anyway, the the short story is, the house was sitting there begging to be used correctly and this is today the most correct use anyone's made of it and so it's still there and used very little just people every now and then guests of the college stay there and and i had i put up some people there that's like really fancy russian director who was like i'd like to move finding the house for me was 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 uh, very easy, and then the college was very generous in letting us use it. And but way more interesting is with with that house, and I knew that that Andy wanted to see what it was like to know to build uh, a movie around a location that you have. Watching him do that and watching all that unfold the way it did was was unbelievable. So. Oh yeah. I mean, what are the pros and the cons from filming in an actual location in a house like that as opposed to having a set? Hmm. I mean, I can think of so many pros. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's an element. There's always an element of control. Would be the obvious con. Whenever you're on a, a, a on a set, you you lose an aspect of controlling your light. You have to work with 
mother nature and you know when you're on a closed set you, you know you can do anything you want at any time of day we were really um there were several scenes in this movie we were like racing the light uh you know hurrying at times because of where we were but the benefits just um you know film sets kind of they tend they it's not to generalize too much but in the broadest sense they tend to go two ways they either feel sort of military or they feel like a family mm-hmm. and I really feel like location uh, location shoots um, encourage that family atmosphere you know and it has to has to have urgency and everything else that you know a good workplace has but it should feel like a family um, it should be fun doing this you know when it stops being fun uh, it, 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 it's uh, you know you, you, you wonder why because it's so much it takes so much out of everyone that uh, to, to come to set where you enjoy connecting with everyone and seeing everyone uh, in the morning it goes in, it goes directly into the movie i believe yeah yeah and, yeah. and to alex and charlie you know there's so many emotional scenes for both of you in this and what's it i'm presuming it's going to be quite draining to drag up those emotions especially if it's you know for more than one take uh what's it like having to do those emotional scenes as an actor i mean again uh this is going to sound like 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 a canned answer for Sorry, but <laughs> if the uh, honestly, if the script is good and and the set is good, it mm. makes it much 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 easier. So this is the second. I I wanted this a lot actually. The first movie Andy that I worked on was you know uh, how you know I'm gonna be able to act scared in this situation, and I didn't have to worry about acting because we were in places and in situations that were creepy. Yeah. Very creepy to say the least and this one again it goes back to, to the jump scares with carol yeah i mean yeah. I, it was not very hard to 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 be right there in the in the mix of, of what was needed because because it's involving your kid and you're in this house and and i think the 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 way it's kind of fascinating our backstory you know andy mentioned rewriting the first scene as the movie shoot went along we kind of, you know, are taking into account what the first scene needed to be. Uh, the evolution of Andy's understanding of my relationship with my wife as the shoot went along actually made the shooting of these scenes much easier. And the fact that, because I think when we started the original movie, there was a there was a shot. There was a I had a shot at at, at getting her back with this house, and. And it was a very wise decision that, that you know got reflected in the movie later, but got discussed on set earlier was in fact there is no there is no shot at this. So that because yeah. if there was a shot, it would make it would make the the decision I make at the end whatever not really feasible or or, yeah. or not really yeah. complicated. But in this case, so that you know anyway the the that bedrock. Of, of understanding of a really a failed marriage, like failed in a way that, that's hard to even consider, but that's very, very possible. A failed marriage and and this opportunity to father uh, correctly or incorrectly or a little better. And then you tie that as the foundation of the story. It really made all those scenes uh, very easy, uh, very easy and, and fun in the good way to act. Yeah. And Andy, with the writing process, was the, did you go through a few different endings, or was this always the way that you wanted it to finish? Yeah, I'm more than I have with anything. I really like to know my ending when I start writing. Um, I think I thought I did in this case, but it was a fast process. I was trying to, spoiler alert again, trying to 
come up with a way to satisfy myself with an ending w w that didn't involve um, Simon's death. I think I had fallen, I liked him a little too much and I was exploring ways <laughs> I could maybe resolve the story. But ultimately, you know, my one of my curiosities with the genre is it, a lot of supernatural movies end up with a third act sequence where humans do battle with the supernatural um, and it often doesn't go well. I think a lot of supernatural movies fall down there because that's part of the reason we've been so scared of what's unknowable is it's this undefeatable thing. And so to create all these worlds where we can pull each other into other dimensions just to do battle for a movie doesn't satisfy me usually. So I usually try and subvert that. So my goal with this ending was just that, almost that very question, what is it, how do I satisfyingly resolve this character's journey and have him face uh, the antagonist in, in a way that, that, that satisfies the architecture of the story, but won't be like a battle. Yeah. And, and, and an action, in fact, that's not a surrender, mm -hmm. but an action that he does. You know, the action of sacrifice rather than the non-action of a surrender. Um, and that, a lot of that was on Alex. Oh, and I, it's, this is something that I've come to appreciate more as I've got older. You know, somebody that loves movies is, you know, back, back when I was much younger, I, I wanted all the action and, and the fights and this, that and the other. And now I want, you know, I want characters that I can really empathize with and associate with. And, you know, I've got two kids, that, you know, I've got a son and a daughter. So that relationship between Simon and Finn, you know, really rang true with me. Uh, so, again, it's all, it's all these little things that can really, you know, draw, draw the viewer into them. Uh, one thing I'd like to say as well, just to be ultra critical if you could all be ultra critical with yourselves, is there anything, I mean, Alex and Charlie with your performances, Richard, you as the producer, Andy of you, you with all the hats that you wore, is there anything that any of you would do differently? And that's a very long pause now. <laughs> I mean, I could talk for a long time. I'll let someone else for another hour. <laughs> um, we, we had a we had an interesting conversation today about this, um, and I've answered this way before previously. Um, one thing that I think I would like to see more of is um, uh, the, the the changeover of, of the house, like just a, a little bit more going into sort of the craft of the you know quote unquote flipping. Um, but I did hear a decent argument today um, against that, so you know. That's that was my that was my stock answer previously, and I I may need to rethink that um, you know to to go in a different direction. But that's what I've always sort of had on deck for for this question before today. <laughs> <laughs> anybody else? Would anybody else like to answer? Or do you all? I mean, I'm speaking personally. I'm more than satisfied with everything that's in it. I'm very happy with this movie. You know, it's I I tried to nitpick it, and I just and this isn't being fanboyish or anything. I really do love everything about it. So, you know, if if you guys th think that's something you could have done differently, then do, you know, please let me know. I mean, there, you don't. I think everybody. Well, actors always have takes. They think they remember. Yeah, it's different for you guys. You can so, be like, there are some things I wish know, the editor yeah. had. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wish that, that uh, one of the actors who's not sitting here in this room knew their lines so that we could use the take that we were in the middle of. <laughs> line, or I'm sorry, guys, or whatever. But there's stupid stuff like that. Uh, but I, you know, again, to not answer your question, that's good. I, I've never done... Uh, 
the the movies, the TV shows, um, the plays are different, but but I've never been able to. If I, I can maybe watch even something I'm proud of four or five times, and then I can't watch it anymore because the 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 list of things you're asking me to give you right now just gets to be too long and too. Uh, you know, I re- wish I could redo the whole thing. But <laughs> I really, I can really watch it. I really sit and I watch it, and I I'm not. I'm no longer watching myself like, oh, how did I, you know, did yeah. I nail that moment, all that. It's not that. I just watch the character going through this stuff that, that, that is. And so so in that sense, I, it's not like it's perfect. Or my performance isn't perfect, but it's the way the whole thing fits together is such that I don't, it doesn't pull me out of it. Watching myself and it doesn't pull me out of it. Yeah, yeah. If I, if I could just go around the horn with all of you as well, if please tell everybody what's next for each of you. What, you know, what projects have you got upcoming? I'll start because yeah. I'm the shortest. Okay. I, I, so I, I am back. I, I am a, an actor, but I'm also a, a, on the faculty at Little Bit College in the theater department. So I am back in my official capacity there, uh, full-time teaching. And the next, you know, I'll direct a play in the spring here at Middlebury, and then we'll do, uh, we have a play that we take to New York in the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet to be determined but other than that i'm back in my sort of teaching mode for now yeah um right now i'm trying to keep as busy as i can with auditions like left and right you know going to new york a lot but as of right now i have a small part on season two of castle rock but that's okay so you can see that on hulu though but Mm -hmm. um yeah i'm trying to keep busy as much as i can good um, I have a, a, a bunch of scripts I'd like to make. Um, I, I don't know which is taking off first, but we have something actually in co-production with the people we met at Grimfest uh, with Simeon and Rachel. Oh, yeah. Because they're starting a new company. Uh, you know, they're kind of like uh, the UK version of Blumhouse is their target, and they've yeah. got a lot of things on their slate. So we're hoping to make uh, this movie Dollmakers with them, which is a high school voodoo doll movie you would it, it, it does not seem like it would come from the same person who did Witch in the Window. <laughs> but it's a very, very different tone. Um, I'm a little bit, you know, it's true that um, I always say to people trying to make low-budget films, like, reach for what you can grab. Um, so it's made a lot of sense, and I, I love I love making these slow-burn thrillers, um, but there are some scripts I haven't had the resources to make uh, that are uh, at different paces and in different tones, and um, this one with a lot more blood. Uh, so we'll see if, if we can get that off the ground. And then I've got a high-rise haunted story, uh, uh, high-rise kind of demonic takeover movie called The Albatross we're trying to put together. Um, Richard and I have like five different irons. We're trying to like just push <laughs> all the movies ahead at, at the same time to see if we can let them get in each other's way, because that would be a great <laughs> So yeah, how, yeah. About, how about you, Richard? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm basically just reading everything that Andy's writing and <laughs> <laughs> having conversations with him about it. Um, beyond that, you know, I'm, I'm just I don't I don't have anything solid lined up as my next project. So if anybody out there has anything and they want to send me something, go for it. Mm-hmm. I'll read it and you know see what's what. Well, as I said in the introduction to this show, uh, I absolutely love this film. You know, I've told you I've watched it four times. I'm, it's a film that I'm going to watch many times in the future too. So a huge round of applause to, to all of you because you know congratulations on creating a really good film. Thank you, thank, thank you thank very you. much. Appreciate it. 
Uh, and for the sake of the edit, I shall say goodbye. But before we go, is does anybody want to say uh, if there are any ways that people could follow you, what you do online, you know, social media? I know it's not for everybody, but if you've got any social media outlets that you'd like to promote, please, you know, just let everybody know. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm on Twitter, at, uh, predictably, at Andy Mitten, one word. Um, and, and, and I'm totally uh, reachable there. And I also, like, I, I, I would like the chance to say, the 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 UK as a whole was just a, an enormous boost for us for this particular movie. There's the connections we made there with, with the fans, um, the response, uh, the 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 reactions I still get from fans over there, the experiences we had over there, you know, getting to promote it, um, really really important and special and a heartwarming experience, especially. So I want to I want to be able to say that the audience there yeah i don't think that um i don't think the movie would have done quite what it did globally without uh sort of the the leg up that we got from the uk so thank you to everybody there specifically well i i hope you know if if not all of you at least some of you get the chance to come back to the uk uh hopefully with new movies uh could well be to Grimfest, all being well as well. And if if you do, I look forward to seeing you there. Uh, and thank you so much for coming on the show. I, like I said, I implore everybody to buy The Witch in the Window. It's available on Amazon here in the UK. Uh, and Andy, Richard, Alex, Charlie, thank you. Continued success and long may you keep doing what you do. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All the best to you. Thank you. And the alarm bell, as always brings to an end another interview show hopefully you enjoyed that as much as i enjoyed recording it i'm sure you all recognized how much i enjoyed recording it through my excitement talking to these guys uh what an absolute pleasure that was i and again i said this at the beginning of the show i highly recommend the witch in the window uh it is like I say, it is it essentially begins it's a family drama the the lead performances um are just brilliant by Charlie and Alex. Everybody in the film is really good in it. And then it just it just draws you into it. And then as things slowly get a little bit strange, shall we say, uh, I just I just really love it. So it is available to buy. I mean, we're based over here in the UK. It is available to buy worldwide. If you are going to buy it through Amazon on the UK, you would help us out if you bought it through the Amazon links on our website. It's not going to cost you a penny more. Uh, it's just that we get a little bit back and that helps with the costs of running the website and the podcast. Our website, in case you don't know it, is 60minuteswith.co.uk, numerical 16, not alphabetical. There is a contact us form on there where you can send us an email or you can email us direct, which is contact at 60minuteswith.co.uk. We're on Twitter and Instagram, both of those are the same, at 60minuteswith. We have a Reddit community where you can leave feedback on each of the shows. Just search for 60 Minutes With Podcast if you use reddit uh, a new thing that's on the website as well we've got our world tour going wherever you are listening to this in the world a thank you very much indeed uh, and b have a look at the website go to the world tour page and uh, especially if your country has not got uh, a little pin on there is not represented by a photo help us out and uh, it explains on there how you can do it it's all really easy to do and we want to get all the countries filled with as many photographs from each country as we can. It only started a few days ago. There's only, we're still in Wales. Uh, I know from the feedback on our social media that our our world tour is going to expand to Ireland very soon indeed. 
Uh, but we've got some cards that were sent out to America and Sweden, Belgium and other places. Uh, yes, jump on board with that. That's that's all good fun too. So thank you for listening. Uh, once again, by the witch in the window. Uh, and thank you to Andy, to Alex, to Charlie and to Richard for taking the time to join me on the show, which I'm sure that you all enjoyed very much. Okay, until next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>